0: You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Hartigan Estates invite you to Poker in the Ears.
1: Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here is my work wife, James Hartigan, and I'm blowing right through this to avoid being wished a happy birthday. Happy
0: birthday, Joe. Which, by the way, Eddie Spencer Small says needs to be added to the Poker in the Ears T-shirt range. It's already become a thing.
1: Okay, well, we better check on how our actual t-shirt sales are doing before we add in this one that definitely no one who doesn't listen to this podcast (laughs) would want to buy. Coming up on today's show, more catching up to do. We were all for seven months. We did not get a chance to cram it all into last week's show. So we're doing more of it today.
0: I love the way that you just blew straight past that exaggeration as well, as if it was fact. Seven months.
1: Was it seven? Well, I was what six at least. Uh, that that mostly comprises of what you watch. You know, we didn't get it. We didn't get to do what you watch last week. No. There was so much time between shows where we got to talk about what you watch that I actually forgot about all the stuff I watched. I had to say to my girlfriend, "What did we watch over the last few months?" Uh, there was Star Wars.
0: There was trolls and TM. That's the Tron. Rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian. You know how they use abbreviations? It took me forever to realize that when people were talking about Troz, they meant the Rise of Skywalker, and it wasn't a typo when they were talking about Tron.
1: Ah, <laughs> there was Troz, there was TM, there was Watchmen, big one there, and there was more. Also, as long as we're talking about the movies... Yep. The Academy Awards happen on Sunday night. We're going to have the Poker World's resident Oscars and specifically betting expert here to talk movies and a little TV. Jessica Wellman is going to be on the show or Miss Click, as I used to call her back in the day when she was just an intern covering the online poker beat. I'd like to take credit for her career if I can. Um, But then I remember that credit and blame are only a matter of opinion. (laughs) It might not be something I should want to brag about. Uh, In my life, I've got an update on that really dumb thing I did in my home game. Oh, good. Uh, I had a crazy weekend doing a gig in Washington State where I ran into some super fans. And, James, I booked and acted in my first commercial this week.
0: Really? Will we be seeing you on cinema or TV screens soon?
1: You absolutely will be. I mean, unless... You know, the commercial gets buried or something. Do but, you have uh, a
0: major role? Do you have a speaking part?
1: There are no speaking parts in the commercial, but I do have a what is known as a featured role wow. in, the, in the commercial. So I can should be you quite... reveal
0: what the product is? I with... think
1: so. I is... don't think it's a problem.
0: Okay. Can you allude to what the product is without actually mentioning its brand name in case I get in trouble with the bosses here?
1: Oh, sure. It's a very popular soda company. Okay. Yeah. Like
0: the one second, of two. Oh, the second, the second one, the second other one,
1: biggest one. Yeah. Okay.
0: Not the Santa one, the
1: other one, the other one.
0: Okay. Got it.
1: Yeah. So, um, there's not much more to the story than that, but, uh, we might have a, actually something funny did happen at on set. We might have time to get to today. Um, yeah. Oh, and Washington state, uh, obviously I, I ran into, I, I mentioned the super fans there because, uh, you know, it's, I was trying to tie it into our show. Talking about this week's superfan being George from Romania. Oh, now, he has challenged me. Yeah.
0: Before you go any further, yeah. breaking news. I've been advised that George has reached out to inform us that something urgent has come up. And oh, no. he cannot actually appear on this week's show. So George was going to be our Hunger Games superfan. I rewatched the movie and compiled 10 questions. So I'm willing to give someone the benefit of the doubt. And say, look, if something came up in George's life, if there was some horrible emergency, then we'll allow him to reschedule and come on in a future week. However, once, bitten, twice shy, I'll make sure we've got backup.
1: I, I think that it's we've been relatively lucky with how few times this has happened to us, right? This is what? Maybe twice? I
0: think it's the third time.
1: Third time? That's not many in 173 episodes. So I think our super fans are the best. I do think... <laughs> I, I had an idea for um, how to change the superfan qualification process. Should we do this? Should we talk about that now?
0: Talk about that later on. I'm intrigued, okay. by the way. I, I hope you didn't rewatch The Hunger Games because I know you're very short on time at the moment. And I'm concerned I, that you would have given two hours of your life over watching a film that you're going to have to rewatch again in six or seven weeks time when we finally get this <laughs> guy back on.
1: Luckily, I did not re-watch The Hunger Games. I did see The Hunger Games when it first came out. I think I saw it on a plane maybe when it, when it first got released there. I remember not being that crazy about it because I found it to be too unrealistic. Yeah. Well, and now it's, I it's, look it's,
0: at the world. No, I, like, I never found it unrealistic. I just found it really hard. I mean, it's PUBG with kids. It's, like, really tough going in places.
1: Well, I just, I just was like, well, why would anyone participate in this? Why wouldn't they just rise up and uh, why would people allow this to happen and then you know the last eight or nine years have happened i'm like oh oh no wait this it is happening (laughs) the hunger games are happening now something very bizarre was there's a a a foot spa down the street from my house that uh my girlfriend and i like to go to um just a big room it's like not a fancy spa at all it's actually kind of i wouldn't say gross but it's like for for regular people right It's like $25 an hour, depending on what kind of uh, treatment you get, which is not expensive at all. And uh, one time, a couple of years ago, I was there. I saw uh, Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard leaving. And oddly enough, glitch in the matrix, this Sunday, my girlfriend and I are there and walking out as we're waiting for our turn. Jennifer Lawrence. Wow. Star of the Hunger Games. Yeah, star of the Hunger Games and more than likely was probably... Headed to the Academy Awards uh, that later that night would be my guest, Although I didn't see her on the broadcast, uh, I guess moving on from superfan stuff. Although I did get that nice little celebrity lightning rod out of it. Um, how are the how's the merch selling? Well, I'm slightly concerned
0: that no one in the star store has responded to my question, which makes me think that we probably haven't sold a single T-shirt yet. And I may have discovered why. Um, a few people actually. There's been one major naysayer. Yes. Michael Nadasdy, I'm, I'm looking at you. Concerned about the color of the Chop Pot t-shirt. Um, accusations from some quarters that it's green or lime green. I can assure you it is not. It is definitely blue. Michael responded saying, oh, it's just like the internet dress thing. And I went, no, 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 ah. no, no. No, it's not. Because <laughs> I can tell you that as I physically have the actual t shirt and I signed off on the color and design of that T-shirt it is 100% blue. To which Michael responds, and this is a good response. Oh, here we go. Using facts to try and win an argument now, are we? This is the internet, you know. Facts don't matter anymore, only opinions. I will accept bluish green and your apology.
1: Wow, that is, you know what? I give him full credit for sticking to his guns. <laughs> I mean, you do not want to give up. on uh, on an argument on the internet. I I appreciate that. I appreciate anyone sticking to their guns that hard.
0: So who were the super fans that you actually met?
1: Oh God, I wish I could remember their names. Um, I think there was an Andrew and a Bob. I honestly was only bringing them up to uh, to link to our super fan this week, but I did meet some great people in Seattle. uh, Some of whom also uh, attempted to come to the next night's gig. So we did a, a gig in Seattle. And then we had a gig the next day at a casino that was uh, a little over three hours away in the middle of Washington State. And to get there, you had to go through uh, a mountain, a mountain pass. It was like something out of a a horror movie where you have a choice between these two mountain passes, right? Yeah. And the morning we were supposed to go to the casino, Norm decided he was going to hitch a different ride than the one the casino sent. So I went by myself with the casino driver. Now, the casino was on an American Indian reservation, a Native American reservation. I actually asked the guy who was driving us, who was a member of the tribe, hey, what's the preferred nomenclature? And he was like, honestly, most of us don't care. So I'm just going to say American Indian sometimes. I'm going to say Native American sometimes. He was like, I don't even know where indigenous people came from. Anyway, I was driving with this fella who was obviously very well versed in the terrain Norm was not. And Norm and his ride got hung up in a bunch of weather uh, on the way to the casino. So Norm was quite late, not for the show, but like two hours later than me. So for the return trip, Norm and I were supposed to leave after our show around midnight to head back to the airport in Seattle for a 6 a.m. flight. Norm decided he did not want to deal with the weather in the middle of the night and changed his ticket. I took. I, I was forced to keep mine. Okay, So I kept my ticket. And as we were driving back over the mountain pass, there was a, a stretch. I, James, I'll say this. I tipped the driver $100 when we got to the airport. What was the fare? There was no fare. It was a free ride from the casino. But the roads were so treacherous. I was so scared for a part of this, a car literally spun around on the highway in front of us and was facing us to the point where we were driving head on toward it. And the driver wisely enough did not slam on the brakes Wow! because that would have sent us spinning off the road.
0: Okay. So this is one of those. Thank you for not killing me tips.
1: Yes. Thank you for keeping me alive. I tipped the guy a hundred dollars and I got to tell you the there was a section uh, right after this happened, like maybe three, four minutes later, where all these trucks were pulling off to the side of the road, these big uh, lorries, as you guys would call them. And I was like, holy shit, it's about to get worse if these trucks are stopping. And he's like, no, we're out of it. Those trucks are stopping to take the chains off their tires. Wow. And I was like, I was like, yes, like I was like one of the most celebratory moments of my life. Uh, I did make it to the airport. I did get home in time. And part of the reason I needed to keep that early flight was because I was working on the commercial over okay. the weekend. And I needed to be back in time.
0: So what can you tell us about this commercial?
1: Well, there's a popular uh, string of these commercials happening right now. Like if you have Hulu, I don't know where they might air in the UK. But have you seen, oh, it's a Super Bowl spot also. Um, there's like a there's like someone dancing very sexy at a pole to Shakira. And then the lights come on. And it's a, it's a, he's actually on a subway car. It's like a man who's been yes, dancing. Yes, to... yes. Do you remember that
0: one? I've seen them. yep.
1: it is the next in the series, like that, uh, where a fella is uh, dancing in an office.
0: That they ran these commercials throughout the last NFL season. Uh, you're right; it's definitely a series, and they're they're connected by one thing: the central character in all of them is a complete loser. So, which <laughs> role are you playing?
1: Uh, I I didn't. I guess it's even worse because I didn't get the role of lead loser. Uh, I'm one of the people who reacts to the loser being revealed. Oh, great. I, I love, I
0: love those reactions in commercials, by the way, because it is impossible, impossible not to overact.
1: Yes, exactly. So, um, one of my actually, so one of my notes I get when I act is that I don't overact enough. Like, is that I'm way too subtle. So, it'd be interesting to see when you guys finally do see this commercial am i overacting or not um for me i was really overacting okay. so um uh, i and i don't think the turnaround on these is very long so you guys should be seeing this commercial sooner rather than later and the funny thing about this is that um when i got my agents they make you give all your sizes, right? You know, so that when you show up on set, they have clothes that fit you. Well, that was over a year ago. <laughs> and and apparently I've gone up a size in slacks. Now it was an office scene. And so uh, I had to put all these like dress pants on and I couldn't get any of them closed. And I very embarrassingly had to go out to the wardrobe people and be like, I'm so sorry. I I got fat. And I'm sure this happens all the time with no, people like people normally under... get fired off productions when they get fat. Exactly. And the woman's response was you're fired. Um, and then she laughed and she said, okay, well, we'll figure this out. And then I tried on something like 11 pairs of pants until I found one that I could keep my gut sucked in long enough. So I'm also just putting that out there as like a way to keep myself accountable to get that get that pant size yeah, yeah. back down
0: again this again. is one of your classic no win scenarios by the way because for anyone who recognizes you they're automatically going to say that was really hammy. You overdid it. And anyone who likes the performance will be congratulating Charlie Day on his latest TV commercial.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, real quick. So the uh, the home game story from, from yes, last week.
0: Your awkward, embarrassing moment when you basically wheeled your way on set on David Wayne's new TV series.
1: Yes. And so, look, I am. I, um, And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned the the fact that if you guys want to see something current that David Wayne is doing, uh, Medical Police on Netflix just came out, which I'll be mentioning in the next segment. Um, So I I wrote to Josh Molina and just said, look, man, I feel really embarrassed about this. If you think it's dumb, don't just just talk to me here. And he wrote me back. and He said, honestly, I'm in the camp of I don't think it was that big of a deal. But if I run into him or I speak to him. I'll ask I'll just I'll just mention it that you're feeling bad about it. And uh Josh texted me uh, a couple of days ago to say hey touch base of Wayne who predictably had no inkling as to any awkwardness. He was more concerned that he had said he'd get you to the set and hadn't done so, he didn't even remember you asking.
0: <laughs> a better ending to that would have been he didn't even remember you. <laughs> right, doesn't even you
1: know who you are? <laughs> So anyway, that, that was a relief also. So it was it was a good week all around for me.
0: Excellent, excellent. And a good time now for us to talk movies and TV. And before we get Jess Wellman involved in the show, we're going to talk about a TV show which we know Jess hasn't seen. It is the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian, which I think I'm right in saying is the first live-action Star Wars TV series. And I appreciate there'll be many people in Europe who haven't seen this yet because Disney Plus is only coming to European countries over the next few months. Uh, But for those of you who have seen it, you may enjoy the next few minutes. For those of you who haven't, spoilers! spoilers spoiler time Uh, that said i refuse to believe there is anyone out there even if they've tried really hard to avoid mandalorian spoilers who is not aware of baby yoda
1: yes no that can't possibly be a spoiler i mean we've talked about baby yoda on the show as well i think yes great great to bring up baby yoda what an absolutely ingenious device for this show that that just just captures you by the feels like it's impossible not to feel something about baby yoda those gigantic eyes i've said it before i'll say it again i would probably die for baby yoda
0: now i think it's worth Highlighting that Baby Yoda is the nickname that fans and viewers have given to this character who is officially called The Child. If we were to place this story in the Star Wars timeline, it takes place sometime between the events of Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So Yoda is long dead. This is not actually Yoda as a child, but it's clearly a Force-sensitive creature of the same species as Yoda, who the Mandalorian, the title character of this TV show, is protecting from, I guess, the remnants of the Empire in the wake of its destruction.
1: Yeah. Um, and what the heck was I just going to say? Oh, about Baby Yoda. What's really interesting to me, James, is, and you're better versed in this stuff than I am, is that everything in the Star Wars universe has a name. Has a name and a backstory, and the name of their planet where they come from. I mean, and those
0: aliens that are on the screen for like a microsecond in the original trilogy, go to their Wikipedia pages. They're like seventeen pages long,
1: right? Except Yoda, right? Yoda's people doesn't have a name, doesn't have a that is true, doesn't have a planet that they come from, which I find really bizarre. Of all of the things that could not. You would think that the guy that, like, flashes on screen for a second with an elephant trunk wouldn't have a name of his species, but he does, yet Yoda does not.
0: Um, The overriding thing to say, or my overriding thought on The Mandalorian is, despite its numerous flaws, I absolutely love this series. Um, It comes from the minds of Jon Favreau, of Iron Man uh, and, and Swinger's fame. And Dave Filoni, who's the guy who did the Clone Wars animated series and Rebels as well, which I'm a big fan yeah. of. And I think Filoni's influence is very apparent. And if you've seen those shows, I think you'll appreciate The Mandalorian even more. If you haven't seen those shows, it might take some adjusting to. Um, but no, it clearly had production values. It clearly cost money. And you could see that money on the screen. Yeah. At times, was it a little bit meandering and lacking in pace? Yes. Could it have probably been condensed into fewer episodes? Maybe. Was yeah. there an episode that was a complete rip-off of The Magnificent Seven slash Seven Samurai? Yes. But with all of the extra characters you had, like Carl Weathers and uh, and Werner Herzog, and the fact that they were setting up Werner Herzog as the villain only in the final two episodes to reveal, no, 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 he's not the real villain. He gets killed off. The real villain
1: is Gus Fring. Yeah, so I guess one thing I... uh, Let me go through my review, and then you can explain something to me. This is how it works all the time, by the way, everybody. Whenever I see a movie or a TV show, I have my initial thoughts, then I ask James to tell me what I really think about it. (laughs) Um, I... I... I'm similar to you in that I did love it, but I also I hated it sometimes. Like, really hated it. I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever that some of the dialogue... Uh, especially like the Bill Burr episode was like, so the beginning where they're like, they're like having like a dick swinging contest between each other. Like, like, Oh, this is so bad.
0: Joe, have you seen the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith? I think nothing, nothing can be as badly written as those three films. The dialogue in those films is appalling. And, nothing in this TV series comes close to the awfulness of those prequels.
1: That's true. And so having said all of that, why some of the time I was like, Oh, this dialogue is so cringy. I didn't care. Like the, the magnificent seven episode. I was like, I know what this is. Not only is it a a magnificent seven ripoff, but like dozens of shows since then, um, from the a team to the three amigos, have all used that same sort of like, you know, general storyline. I didn't care. I was like this, this trope, this story of the villagers who need to be protected from the evil empire down the road never gets old for me. I like that shit. Yeah. So I ended up in the positive for this show, ended up thinking like, you know what? That was a great show. My one problem Uh, as you know, always with TV is they don't burn story fast enough. And my overarching problem with TV in general now too, is nobody tells a full story anymore. You can't, at least when you go to the movies, unless you're going to see one of these epic three movie trilogy things, you get a full story. You get a beginning, a middle and an end. And with TV, a lot of these shows don't give you a real ending. And that,
0: but this, this is. But the season finales inevitably give you a certain amount of closure while teeing up the second season. That is pretty standard.
1: All right. But this is what bugs me about, and this is my fear for Disney taking over Star Wars. It will never end. It no. will never end. There's no reason Star Wars will continue forever, and I am now afraid that I'm going to have to wait three or four seasons or more to have closure on a story that you should get within one or two. So they got me on the line and I like it, but I'm not going to want to write out this particular story for four seasons. Now, having said that, I think you know more about the story than I do because you said, and this is where the big spoiler is going to come. If James decides to talk about it, you said you saw something at the end of this that got you really excited that meant nothing to me, okay. not mu- nothing, but like it didn't have a whole lot of meaning
0: to okay. me. Okay, so the season finale, which was directed by Taika Waititi, who is probably gonna do the next Star Wars trilogy now, um, not because he won an Oscar for Jojo Rabbit, but because of his work on, I think, the Thor movies and this yeah. TV series, clearly Lucasfilm think he's the right guy to take the franchise moving forward. Um, it concluded with the character played by Gus Fring, Sorry, Giancarlo Esposito. He will always be Gus Fring to me. Um, cutting his way out of the wreckage of his TIE fight or whatever it was yeah. with a weapon which is called the Darksaber, which is part of Star Wars legend. But really, okay. unless you've seen the Clone Wars and or Rebels, you won't have come across before because it's never been featured in any of the movies. As someone who's watched all of Feloni's other stuff, I was quite yeah. excited by that. But no, overall, I thought it was a pretty solid series. I think it's interesting that Disney are rushing the second season into production. I was very surprised to hear that it will be ready to air in autumn of this year. Because again, when you consider the production value, you'd think, can they turn it around that quickly? But I think what's happening with a lot of these streaming services is they're launching and... They need product. They've got to keep people paying their whatever it is, six or seven dollars a month.
1: It's Wouldn't literally you- the only reason I signed up for the service. I uh, I was there, um, you know. I, I was like, yeah, the Marvel movies. I've seen them. You know, well, you're going to get
0: the Marvel TV shows, and of course, there was the Super Bowl spot, which teased Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Wonder Vision, and Loki, and those three series are all coming in the next twelve to eighteen months.
1: Yeah, so maybe I would have signed up for those, but also. I- those those characters I, I maybe would have signed up maybe wouldn't have but i was like gosh ah, shit this mandalorian show looks pretty cool i guess i'll sign up also i i got it at a at a s- severe discount because my brother is part of that whole company that owns half the world so
0: so we are gonna still talk star wars because we have the uh, last movie in the skywalker saga to discuss but before we get onto that let's welcome this week's guest to the show because uh, she has some pretty strong opinions about movies and tv shows don't always agree with her but i respect everything she has to say please welcome to poker in the ears jessica wellman hello jess hi guys now we are going to get into it with the rise of skywalker but before we do that i think it's very important for you to remind us who you are and what you do we need the jessica wellman biography ideally in 30 seconds or less
2: So you guys probably know me from my poker days doing tournament coverage all over the place. But now I actually cover more general gambling news at uh, right now, two sites, playindiana.com and play10.com, which are the latest news on Indiana and Tennessee gambling developments.
0: That was less than 30 seconds. Round of applause. Round of applause. Uh, Good job, Jess. Also a huge movie fan, movie nerd, movie critic always interested in what you have to say about films. Um, I know it's a bit of a weird one because really I feel I should be talking to you about Frank Capra movies, um, but instead we're talking about the last Star Wars film. Um, Is Star Wars even something you you like?
2: I watch them and enjoy them. Uh, As a child, I was born in the same year that Return of the Jedi came out. So I am square in that love the Ewoks age group.
1: That's fine. Yeah, I, was, I, I was a Jedi person too, actually. I, I thought Return of the Jedi was my favorite until all the film people told me, no, I was wrong.
2: Well, and then as a child, like on the Disney Channel, they would have those two made-for-TV Ewok movies. <laughs> oh, but I, I have seen those more than any Star Wars movie.
0: Oh, wow. This is off to an amazing start. Um,
2: I know. So I'm not the greatest person for this. But that's, no. No, but that's you're fine. Gonna, it's you're going to get a hot take. That's
0: That's that's good. I know we can always rely on you for hot takes. Paradoxically, I don't actually want to spend too much time talking about this movie because I actually really enjoyed it at the cinema. But the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the more flaws I unearth and the less I like it.
1: Really? Well, I, I know that you just said you don't want to talk about it, but now I have to know what they are. Um, I th- see. Most people
2: had this reaction in the movie that I'm interested. Yeah, what festered?
0: Yeah, I think it's because I just approached it as a complete fanboy and just loved, loved it superficially. But the moment that you actually start to think about it as a constructed narrative, as the conclusion to this nine film saga, you realise that there's a lot wrong with it, and. I think J.J. Abrams had an impossible job, by the way, because this has been such an uneven series. How the hell do you provide a satisfying conclusion? And I think he did the best that anyone could do, but it still was not great. I don't think, in retrospect, this last trilogy has been superb. It's had its highs and its lows along the way. This film, no exception. But it's the little things more than anything else. It's the fact that, Betraying the fact that it was cut down from an original what three-hour running time the first 40 minutes is lightning fast and even though at the time I'm like I love the fact this is moving so quickly and stuff's happening all the time There isn't a chance to breathe there isn't a chance to take stock of what's going on and quite frankly I think it is disgusting that we are not treated as the audience to hear this message that was re- received that revealed that Emperor Palpatine was still alive, the fact that you just write that in the opening crawl and we never hear it, I think is pretty grotesque.
1: Well, it's not just that that it's grotesque; it's that apparently both like a can of soda and Fortnite are canon now.
0: Yeah. Right. Because apparently this message is exclusive to the uh, Star Wars version of Fortnite. But I do believe,
1: and this is what's coming out now, because
0: loads of people who are close to JJ, (laughs) including some of the people who worked on the film, are now revealing that a lot of this stuff was in the first cut of the film. And clearly, in trying to get it down to a manageable running time, which I respect, you have to do that, it was the front end of the film which was affected the most, and it's like, do you know what? Just lop off that section and cover it in the opening crawl, and then people will know what's going on. And nah, I I, I don't accept that.
2: Well, and then so the first act of this film, though, is I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a film nerd term. It's just MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. Yes. You know, like we've got to go pick up this, you know ipad or whatever thing they have to go find like the gps for darts see you know i'm not a star wars person because i'm not using the vernacular nearly i at all. think that like- i
1: think that's fair i think that the movie should be um accessible to someone who is exactly like you who is aware of star wars but maybe doesn't know the name of every single fucking thing
2: but I mean, we're, it's just like, we got to go find this and then we got to go find this and then we got to go find this, that it does feel kind of video gamey yeah. that like I get there's exposition. It's the first act of the movie, but I would have liked like a few more kind of beats like with those moments, the moments I loved were those moments with, um, Oscar Isaacs and, um, Daisy Ridley in the woods when they come back at the beginning and he's like, what did you do to BB-8? What's going on? You know those little character beats? Yeah. And you get so few of them and they're all like 10 seconds long. Yeah. That it would have been nice to see them sussed out a little. And this is coming from I'm a running time snob that I don't really want to see a three hour movie but it does feel rushed.
0: Yes. And uh, apparently, you know, J.J. Abrams thought he'd reached a compromise with Disney at 2 hours 40 and... I think at that point, and this is all rumour and speculation, and none of it's been been verified or confirmed, that the film was effectively taken away from him and then cut down to two hours 20. So this is not his cut of the movie. And a few people, including The Hobbit, who's in the film, have campaigned for them to (laughs) release the JJ cut. Um, Joe, what was your overall thoughts on it? Because we never really had a chance to speak about it at the time.
1: I kind of, look, I, I'm not the best movie analyst ever. I tend to take things at face value. And I, I had the uh, the initial uh, summation that you did. I was like, man, I thought Force Awakens was pretty good. It was like a 7 out of 10, at least for like a Star Wars movie. And then, well, I wouldn't say, like, I understand that a lot of people like The Last Jedi. Um, I didn't, right? That was like a 5 for me. There was just an... and. An, the things that the general public didn't like about it are not what I didn't like about it. So, you know, I, I'm obviously not one of those people that has, like, an issue with how they handle Luke or how they, you know, how there's there's an Asian woman, oh, my God, in Star Wars now. Um, I didn't care about any of that. But there's just, like, some, like, real dumb things that happened in that one that – and I'm a huge Ryan Johnson fan. So I thought that this – was, like you said, the best J.J. could have done to reconcile all of the weird stuff that The Last Jedi put out there. Um, yeah, and but I, thought
0: I don't think we a- should just dismiss The Last Jedi. And I'm going to say something really controversial here. I think, objectively, The Last Jedi is probably a better film.
1: Uh, maybe. But as far as telling the story that, look, th- you have the impossible task in that you have to both tell a good story and uh, your own story, but also the st- a story that people want to hear, right? Like everyone has an expectation for how they yeah. want this to end and how they want it to wrap up. And I think that JJ did about as good a job possible as you could yeah. uh, reconciling what Ryan Johnson did for better or worse, right? Like, let's say it is better with what people wanted to see and hear. And I, I couldn't have imagined it going being any better than this.
2: That was what was fascinating to me about the third one was if you're the person who started this story and then, you know, I love Ryan Johnson too, but he's kind of like a bad improv partner. Who's like, no. And instead (laughs) we're going to do all this stuff.
1: Exactly.
2: um, To get it back and have to kind of undo all the crap that you didn't want there in the first place has to be a very trying task. And so that's kind of what interested me like as a film fan about this last one.
0: For sure. But this is, again, something that gets me frustrated is the other thing that's come out is the Colin Trevorrow screenplay for what would have been the final movie. That was the article I sent you, right? Um, Yes, I think you did. And then since then, I've actually tracked it down and Mm -hmm. read it. And This is very frustrating because number one, I think it would have been a better film and number two It follows on much in a much cleaner fashion from the events of last Jedi It builds on what Ryan Johnson did rather than acknowledging it and then saying, but we're gonna take a hard segue and shift to this direction now um, And it's kind of very much. This is what you could have won uh, This is what you could have had and again, I'm, I'm I'm really being picky here because ultimately i did enjoy this i enjoyed the experience of seeing it and here's the most important question of all did stapes cry in it
1: i didn't i didn't i was no i was shocked because i think i don't know if i told you or not but so the night before my my brother and i we actually went to go see this together which was actually kind of touching since obviously you end up as a kid watching most of these movies with your family um my brother and I went and we watched just a few scenes of the last Jedi the night before to sort of catch up. And then he went to bed and I was like, you know what? I haven't seen the force awakens since I saw it in the theater. And I cried like no fewer than six times during the force awakens rewatch. Like not cried, but like got choked up, like got like, like fought, fought, had that stinging nose, like at least a half a dozen times. And then I saw the, 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 the last Star Wars movie, I was like, yeah, it's cool, it's cute, it's ah, a little interesting, but nothing really grabbed me by the feels, which is not difficult to do. So I'm wondering, was it just not that feely?
0: I l- only lost it at one point, and it was when Chewbacca got the medal at the end.
2: Yeah. Oh, that his whole story, Blind, by the way, made me angry. This, you know, pump fake, I'm trying not to spoil it for people.
0: Oh no, this is a spoiler-filled review, Jess. You, you can't can talk about a Star it. Wars film without spoiling the, it. Yeah.
2: The emotional manipulation that they did with him was such BS
1: that I, I mean, was, it was so obvious to all of us that he was not dead. Though they wouldn't I kill know, him off. But, in that but also, there were
0: scenes in the trailer that we haven't had yet, so we know he's still <laughs> alive.
1: I know well,
2: and then the, so that's the thing is like that's when I did turn on the movie a little bit because I was seeing I see it that. with family, and I'm like, no, and I don't want to like lean over to my cousin who's enjoying himself and be like, but well, we know he's not dead, right? But you know, he's having this emotional reaction, and I'm like, oh, this is just manipulative BS. Don't yeah. worry,
0: I he's mean, fine. I think again, and then
2: he's alive literally eight minutes later. You know. It's <laughs> hard <laughs> <laughs> and then you haven't even, like, gotten the chance to miss him before they're aboard the ship. And like, oh, don't worry, he's in Pod Bay 7.
0: Well, they had to lose a lot of running time, Jess, as we just discussed. <laughs> but the fact that Justice was finally served after, you know, that ceremony in Yavin, where for some unknown reason he was snubbed, he finally gets the medal, like, decades later. Um, But again th- when you start getting into it and like why did all the fleet respond to lando's call when they ignored leia you know uh, previously yeah. when she wanted everyone's help who is manning all of these ships by the way joe i don't know how good a memory you have of the timothy zahn books the the thrawn trilogy but that definitely felt inspired by that the the, the dreadnought fleet that they find in yeah. space which in the books was crewed by clones and here there is absolutely no explanation of how the hell they've managed to recruit enough people because i think each ship takes about two thousand five hundred people to man it
2: it's not just yeah. like the spirit of dead siths <laughs> i was like i assume these are all
0: ghost ships just by <laughs> see that would be cool if they'd gone down that avenue that would have been cool
1: yeah, uh, I <clears throat> I didn't think about it. I really didn't. I was like, oh, these people yes, are just... Uh, but that um, comes
0: back to my original point. Don't think about it because the moment you do start to think about it, the moment you do start to ask questions of this film, it collapses very quickly and then you find the whole experience has been ruined for you.
1: Yeah, see, I'm good at not thinking. It's not really ever my thing.
0: Okay, let's move on then and talk about something which I certainly can poke fewer flaws in. Um... I know you watched the first few episodes, Jess. I hope you managed to watch the entire series. We're talking about HBO's Watchmen.
2: Oh, man. This has been... I was late to the game, but I I got all in eventually.
0: I think this is an absolute masterpiece. Please tell me you agree.
2: So this is one of the few things that I watched. And the first time through, I went in completely cold to the Watchmen. I, I don't understand nothing about the comics or anything. So there were a lot of moments where I was like, I don't know what's happening, but Gene smarts up here and I'm fine with it. <laughs> and then, um, upon second watch was when I started to understand who these people were and how they kind of work together. And I think this is perhaps the most interesting nuanced discussion of race relations in America yes. I've seen in a, in a few years.
0: For sure. And I'm
2: probably like I could go back a third time easily.
0: What so, I really
2: want is just a, a spin off of Tim Blake Nelson, Jeremy Irons, and Gene Smart in Antarctica. Hang <laughs> I would watch uh, the shit out of that show.
1: <laughs> well, I, I don't want them to do that only because I think James and I both agree on this. Don't touch this. Don't
2: yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs>
1: I don't need to see anything to do with this ever again. You nailed it. You stuck the landing right off into the sunset. Um, it, th- I th- I ag- and James, I assume you agree with Jess's take about race relations, right?
0: Yes. I mean, it was. It, it's intelligent. It is nuanced. And <clears throat> I thought it was in, an incredibly good job of building on what had come before. And I think you can come into this and you don't need to know. Watchmen law. You don't need to have read the graphic novel. You don't need to have seen the film, which I did revisit, by the way. And I watched like the four-hour cut that's got like the animated feature cut into it. And you know what? For a Zack Snyder film, I really enjoyed it. It was actually quite good. Um, so if you know the story, I think you appreciate it even more. But I think they did a really good job of, of it being a standalone piece in its own right as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So. My one friend who is a television writer really could not wrap her head around this. And the more I talked to her, the more I think it was because she hadn't watched the movie. And even though, look, I didn't like the movie. I would go so far as to say, I hated the movie. Uh, Having that small basis of where this all came from, I think actually was quite important for this, even though they're not super. I mean, they are connected, right? I mean, it's Ozymandias. Like that's, and and uh miss what's his name mr fantastic mr universe what's his name dr manhattan dr manhattan um and so i do think that watching that movie whether you like it or not is is sort of uh helpful for understanding what's going on here um i thought the same thing you guys did about the race relations first of all i still think it's a masterpiece I still think it's incredible, the storytelling, everything about it. Don't touch it. Don't fuck with it. Do not make a sequel. Lindelof walked away. I think HBO is going to leave it alone. But Joseph Kahn, our guest from last week, who has opened my eyes to many things. I often start off hearing his opinion and think he is a wackadoo. And then the more he explains himself, the more I realize he has a point. And he wrote three tweets about Watchmen that I'm going to read to you guys. And I think he has a very strong point. Here it goes. I may be the minority on this, but I find Watchman's focus on race thematically myopic and quasi-exploitative. Exploitative. Exploitative, I'm not sure which is the right word there. Anyway, tweet two. In a paradigm where stories are segregated by racial suppositions, Abar's black racial struggle, Ozymandias' white entitlement, checked by two righteous white police officers, are Asians the go-to cultural foils? Ambitious, smart, inhuman, Watchmen, black people and white people may have their issues, but goddamn, Asians are evil. Uh, You have to admit he kind of has a point.
2: I'm I'm with him. That Asian character is uh, it's it's every bad Asian stereotype. You know, it's well, and you know the positive stereotypes. I suppose you could say that you know she's very smart. She's super motivated. She's out for power. You know, she's power hungry. And I. They try to kind of couple that with her father and inheriting that from him. But, like, yeah, it's 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 not good. It's, it's definitely a flaw
0: in this. It's certainly not a take you can disagree with, for sure. Um, I just want to quickly highlight another HBO show, which I appreciate is not brand new. Um, I believe the third and final season premiered last fall. And that is The Deuce, which is the David Simon show about... New York in the 70s and 80s, particularly focusing on the sex trade and the pornography industry. I do not understand how this show did not get more attention. I don't understand how it didn't get more love. I don't understand how it didn't win more awards because I think it is brilliant. As good as The Wire, in my opinion. So if you haven't seen The Deuce, watch it. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't. I'll
2: give it a shot.
0: Okay, and then we can all argue when you disagree with me. Um, I only have two other things that I wanted to mention. I am not one of those people who watches a lot of true crime TV or true crime documentaries. But because I'm an NFL fan, I watched the Aaron Hernandez thing on Netflix, which I thought was pretty well done. And then I was forced by my colleagues to watch Don't Fuck With Cats. I'm very glad I did because I thought it was very well made. But the whole idea of it, uh, you know, just did... I was concerned what I would see in this documentary. I was concerned what footage would be included. I don't know if you guys have seen either of those TV shows, uh, but they're both very interesting. But after a while, you realize, I've watched enough hours of TV about murder now. I want to watch something fun. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, my response to that is McMillions on HBO. Oh, is that out? Yes, we're on episode two.
1: You got time to catch up. 500,000 word article about that story a couple, like maybe eight to 10 months ago. And I'm really looking forward to watching that. This
2: is the true crime breather we all need. That, you know, it's McDonald's, it, it's crime. People aren't dying. It's really fun. The people involved, you couldn't have cast them better. And I enjoy it immensely so far. Oh. I have seen both the things that James mentioned.
0: The Aaron Hernandez piece I thought was, uh, was, was interesting. The thing I'd say about that is the warning signs were kind of there.
2: I have my issues with this one. I don't like how much they're putting the blame on CTE in this one. I think they try to generate sympathy for this person in ways that bothered me. Like how many times are we going to hear how, oh, isn't it cute? This guy wants to read Harry Potter in prison.
0: See, I read it very um, differently. I didn't see it as sympathy. I, I just thought, I don't know, I think pity was the kind of feeling that I
2: sympathy? had. That's interesting. And and I can see that reading of it. I mean, I did appreciate that the one victim's family, they some of these, they don't put enough focus on the victim, and it becomes the story of the murderer, not yeah. the story of the person whose life was cut short. And I appreciated that they did that with him. But then there are these other two people that he more than likely killed that I don't even remember what their names are. Yeah. And uh, that was a little problematic for me. Um, you know, this guy had a lot of things wrong beyond the the head trauma. You know, he was like pretty serious drug addict, had a lot of behavioral issues as a young child, was dealing with a lot of other you know things on his plate, including you know, bisexuality that he was trying to hide and things like that, that he certainly had a complicated life.
0: The bit which I thought was unbelievable, and Joe, I imagine you probably won't watch this show, so I don't mind spoiling it no, for it's you. okay. I mean... First of all, whenever there is a crime documentary made in the States, the materials available to the filmmakers are incredible. The fact that they have every phone conversation from jail, they have access to those recordings, they have every second of footage shot inside the courtrooms. I mean, and that's why you didn't need the really cheesy, like silent reconstruction moments in this. You didn't need it because you had everything you needed to make this series. But there's a phone call he makes to his agent, from inside prison, oh, yeah. when he is facing Ooh. three murder charges and his agent has explained to him in very simple terms that, yeah, it's kind of tough to get you any endorsement deals right now. <laughs> and the agent says, you know, I don't really think that Nike are keen on like having, you know, an orange jumpsuit with the swoosh on it. And Aaron Hernandez, half joking, goes, can you get me a deal with Smith and Wesson? Oh,
2: yeah. God. Well, I mean, I think we've established good judgment is not a character trait Aaron Hernandez possessed at any point in in his life good point so but yeah that was that was one where you're just like oh man
0: indeed i wonder if
2: you just kind of forget that these are all being taped
0: at a point i imagine that is probably the case joe rattle through stuff that you've seen
1: uh, it's the the last season of Silicon Valley, I think is one of the best constructed plot shows that I've seen as far as a comedy is concerned. I always think it's very clever and love, uh, you know, probably if you work in that space, it probably comes across dumb to you, but I really enjoyed that entire series. That's over. Uh, I attempted to watch the Witcher, even with the subtitles on, I had no fucking clue it was happening. I quit that one. It was like. Every name was, it doesn't matter. You watch five minutes of that show with the subtitles on it. It's hilarious. Um, I rewatched all of Fargo with my girlfriend because she hadn't seen it. And man, I would watch that for a third time through if I could. Um, still highly recommend that. Uncut Gems I saw over Christmas. Loved it. There was a lot of debate over that. Jess, do you have anything to say about that? Um, so
2: here's my thing with Uncut Gems. And this is the me problem and not the movie problem. I have anxiety issues in my life and everything Uh, that people tell me about this movie, like to to help you understand a Ben Stiller movie makes me anxious. Like in Meet the Parents, I don't enjoy watching him make decisions I know that are bad. That I feel like I am not mentally in a place to take in uncut gems at this point in my life.
1: That makes sense. Uh, El Camino, I don't think we ever talked about that. I really enjoyed it.
0: Um, I still haven't got around to seeing it. I still maintain that its existence is unnecessary, but at some point I will get round to it.
1: It's, it's pretty fun. I think it's, it's fun and fairly satisfying. Uh, James, you and I talked about this already. I watched a whole bunch of stand-up specials. Uh, over the uh, the holidays, and the two that stood out were uh, Mike Birbiglia's the new one and Ronnie Chang's Asian comedian destroys America. I thought both of them were fantastic.
0: I don't watch a lot of comedy. Uh, on your recommendation, I watched both of these. They were both fantastic, particularly the new one, which I just thought was oh, it was just genius.
1: And I got see to this- see
2: the new one live in L. A. and it was so fantastic.
1: Yeah, I saw it in L.A., and then I rewatched it, and it's more or less word for word the same thing. And my, uh, if you did enjoy that, James, I would say all of Mike Birbiglia's specials are about that good. Maybe not quite as hitting as close to home for you, being a dad, but uh, they're they're all very, very good. Uh, and then just uh, medical police, I mentioned earlier, uh, not only is, uh, you know, th- these guys are – I'm a huge fan of all the stuff they do. It's basically a spinoff of Children's Hospital, which is one of my favorites of all time. But there's a poker episode as well. There's an episode called uh, Deuce to Nine Single Draw, and uh, it's actually pretty fun. And so, Jess, if you don't like uh, cringe stuff, anxiety, how do you feel about Curb? Because Curb is back, and I think so far, I've only watched maybe two or three. I think it is as good as it's ever been.
2: So this is a cultural blind spot for me. (laughs) (laughs) That I will own, I need to address. But again, it's that, you know, I know I need to watch it, but there's that voice in my head that's like, oh, he makes people awkward and uncomfortable all the time, doesn't he? But everybody praises it so much that, you know, maybe in small doses I'll go back at the beginning and see how I can handle
1: it. I don't praise it all the time. Sometimes I think it is not good and oftentimes other people think it's great when i think it is not good but i think a lot of
0: the recent seasons has been really really poor
1: yeah yeah but so far this season i am loving it james have you had a chance to watch i haven't
0: i've recorded the first few episodes and i will get around to seeing them at some point i tell you what i failed to record And that was the Oscars ceremony. I hope you appreciate, Jess, that it's not something I can necessarily stay up for because it's in the middle of the night here. And then come the next day, you can't really avoid the winners. It's headline news. And then the incentive to go back and watch a ceremony where you know all the results kind of is like... Oh, yeah. not "Eh." But then you miss all the fun stuff, if there was any fun stuff this year. Judging by the viewing figures, I'm guessing it wasn't that great. Um, I've obviously followed what you've had to say about the Oscars on social media. Um, But clearly... You also have a financial interest in the result of the Oscars as well. So the key question has to be, how did you perform with your bets?
2: Uh, not great. Uh, <laughs> my biggest bet was on Best Picture. And um, going into Best Picture, I still felt good that I was going to be up. And instead, I was down a little. Um, have you seen Parasite?
0: I've not seen Parasite. Bear in mind I very rarely get to the cinema these days, so I'm quite behind on movies. Unless it's something like The Irishman, which is on Netflix and I can watch an installments, yeah. It's it's very hard for me to see uh, you know, up to date movies. So I haven't seen many of the films. I still haven't seen nineteen seventeen. And I think I would like oh, it. Man. And, you know, I hear very good things about it, and I very got I very much got the sense that you feel it deserved best picture and were very disappointed to not see it acknowledged.
2: Yes. So Oscars night, like to put this in context, I was so obsessed with Saving Private Ryan in 1998 that when Shakespeare in Love won, I was on the phone with a friend and I threw what was at the time my cordless phone across the room and smashed it into pieces.
1: That was one of Um, the first times I I decided that the Oscars (laughs) didn't mean shit to me either was was that year as well.
0: Okay. so this is I'm going to ask my question, which is. Jess, I've been saying for years that there needs to be some kind of uh, movie award that's the equivalent of the, of, the, of the Hall of Fame where it's assessed five or six years down the line where we can retrospectively go back and try to assess what was the best film of any given year rather than which movie has captured the zeitgeist or Miramax have spent most money marketing this year. <laughs>
2: I love this and I think you know that's why I love the AFI they don't do it as much those lists yeah so like the 15 years where AFI was putting out those lists I that is kind of my fodder of what I like to watch like I want to go back and kind of catch those moments and and see what they're saying historically is the most important I will clarify my tweets on Oscar night were very angry towards Parasite Parasite is a good movie um, I am in the minority that I don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think it's going to age super well, but it was good and it was fun. The thing is, is that 1917, I walked out of the theater and I was like, I've seen 4,000 movies in my life. And this is probably in the top 20.
1: Wow. wow. So I, I have neither seen 1917 nor parasite. And I know this is going to make me sound way worse of a person than I really am. I just haven't been in the mood to watch either of those movies. War movies hit me really hard. Um, I find them incredibly stressful, incredibly emotional, and I just am not often down for that sort of, you know, like I felt like I got kicked in the stomach when I saw Saving Private Ryan. Um, and, and it's a great movie. It's a one, It's a fantastic movie, but it is just an ordeal for me so going to see war movies is tough for me and then also i i I hate to say it but like subtitles man parasite being a subtitled movie is just a little extra effort on my part that i want to make sure that i'm in the right state of mind to watch that movie i think that's fine to
0: say though joe i think you need to be in the right frame of mind to watch a particular type of movie for whatever reason and
1: yes you know
0: i'm the same way yeah i mean you know by the So way, it's not
1: that I won't watch a subtitle movie. I just have to be ready.
0: Of course. By the way, going back to 1998, I wouldn't have given the Best Picture Oscar to Shakespeare in Love, but actually I wouldn't have given it to Saving Private Ryan either. I would have given it to Out of Sight, which in my opinion is an absolute masterpiece.
2: I do love that movie, but Saving Private Ryan, oof. And I will say, Joe, you're going to have... Uh, I saw with my friend Who's a poker player Randall Flowers And he hadn't really seen The way I am in movies That he was laughing a lot At me squirming in my seat And just like Really getting emotionally disturbed At what I was watching That it's intense Yeah um, Like you know Like gasping And kind of shaking my hand At the screen at certain times it's, yeah. But I will say You really do have to see it In the theater Before it disappears just yeah, because the experience of it is, I'm not normally the see it in the theater person, but this one just because it is that kind of one take and see it and just how well they stage and plot everything. It's it's worth the effort.
1: I am a see it in the theater kind of person. So you're right. I, I really should uh, force myself to do that.
0: As someone who didn't see the ceremony, Jess, I have to ask, please tell me that they did a separate tribute to Kirk Douglas and he wasn't just a face on the wall <laughs> in the in-memoriam section.
2: He was the parting shot of the in-memoriam uh,
0: section. I guess I guess, was, we'll, yeah. I guess we'll take that. I kind of feel that he deserved his own special tribute.
2: I know. Well, at first I heard they were going to do one for Kobe and instead Kobe was the opening of the in-memoriam. And I think they had that moment where they're like, okay, dude, we, we can't do separate for Kobe and then do nothing for Kirk. Yeah. so we're just gonna bookend them on this but it was it was a weird ceremony um, without a host it's always a little funky but they had like people introducing people to introduce people to introduce people um, just to I think get more you know they tried to bring in actors that are on the rise that are people of color and from different backgrounds and it, it worked and it didn't work. There is a moment in this year's Oscars where, out of nowhere, Eminem shows up to sing "Loose to Yourself."
0: And <laughs> I, I saw that. I, <laughs> I saw a I still clip of that. Can't
2: figure out why it happened.
0: Now, this Joe, am so I so right crazy. in thinking that you have constructed an Academy Awards-themed quiz for our guest?
1: <gasps> yes, yes, I sure have.
2: Oh my god, I'm so excited!
1: All right, Jessica. Uh, the name of the stupid game this week is called "More Like the Academy." I'm boards. Uh, which is of course just, it is. It's just uh, it's just Academy Awards trivia, actually. But it is Academy Awards trivia coupled with the anti-Academy Awards, coupled with the Golden Raspberry Awards, oh, otherwise known oh. as
2: yes, the Razzies.
1: See, that's right. This
0: I'm pretty good on Oscars trivia, not as good as Jess, but the Razzies I just don't follow at all. Apart from that year when Halle Berry actually turned up and collected her award.
1: So. This quiz is about the intersection of the Oscars and the Razzies.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Okay. So the first three questions have to do with this. Three people have won Razzies and Academy Awards in the same weekend, but not for the same films. Now, I'm going to ask you three questions. You get one hint per question, but you can only get that hint by Hectoring a Hardigan, if you need it. Are you ready, Jessica? Yes. Question number one is I think an easy one. I'm gonna tell you the name of a person and the movie they won the Razzie for. You tell me which movie they won the Oscar for. Okay. This is in the same weekend. Brian Helgeland won a Razzie for writing the movie The Postman. The same year, the same weekend. He won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. For, for L.A. Which,
2: Confidential.
1: That Boom. is correct. Bonus question, which was also going to be your hint. Who was the co-writer director of that movie? Curtis Hanson. Two for two, Jessica Wellman. Question number two. I'm now going to tell you the person's name and what they won the Academy Award for. You have to tell me. What movie the Razzie was for? Alan Menken won the Academy Award for A Whole New World for Aladdin. Best song. He also won the Razzie for Worst Song. What movie was that song in?
0: It could very easily have been in Aladdin because the songs are a little bit uneven in that one.
2: <laughs> I know. Oh, that's tricky. Okay. Aladdin was 92.
0: What
2: other movies came out in 92 could it have been Fern Gully so wait there's a hint I what do I have can, to do you to can get Hector, the hint? A
1: Hart, yeah, Hector a again for the hint
2: what does that entail I just have to be mean to James, <laughs> yeah, just, bother
1: James just bother James for a minute
2: oh okay well um I, I mean I I, I don't want to be mean to James he's so nice
0: I will he's, give you the really hint, not. Jessica. Out the kindness of my heart, the name of the song is "High Times, Hard Times." Newsies.
1: That is correct. It is from <laughs> Newsies.
2: <laughs> I have such a blinders. I'm like that film is perfection. Why would anyone criticize it?
1: I knew you were a huge Newsies fan, so that you would get the get the answer once that uh, once that bonus, once that hint was read. All right, question number three. Now I'm going to give you the name of the two movies. You have to give me the name of the Razzie slash Academy Award winner.
0: Oh, you're gonna you're not gonna need the hint for this one.
2: I think I know. I have a feeling can I do you want me to
0: no,
1: Can go I for put it. out
2: who I think I think yeah. it's Sandra Bullock for All About Steve and the blind side. Whoa!
1: That is absolutely correct. You are three for three plus a bonus. Question number four of seven. In 1997 and 1998, a song was nominated for both Best Song at the Oscars and Worst Song at the Razzies. Really? Okay, So in each year, yes. Um, of these four choices, which song was one of the? Sorry, so there was two songs basically. I'm okay, giving you so four choices. Okay, so two of these are. Right. No, but only one of them is was nominated for both. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I don't know why why I included both years. Probably just to make the choices a little tougher. Oh no! Wait. Sorry. You're right. Two of them. You're you're right. It's two of two of the four. Okay. Barney, the song from Barney's Great Adventure. I don't want to miss a thing from Armageddon. How do I live from Con Air? Or Too Much from Spice World?
2: How Do I Live and I Don't Want to Miss a Thing.
1: Correct. Those are the two. I screwed that question up. It was only supposed to be one of them, but good job. Okay. (laughs) Question. Question number one. Do you know How
2: Do I Live never rhymes, by the way? It's a song that at no point do they rhyme. It's very weird. Someone pointed it out to me, and I'm like, okay. I have to share this factoid whenever this comes up. That sounds
0: like one of those idiot genius moves, which means it could either be eligible for an Oscar or a Razzie, or in this case, both.
1: That's right, the story checks out. Question number five. There is only one film to date that has earned both an Oscar and a Razzie. I have two hints for this one. That is it, that's your only clue so far. Which film is it? Oh man.
2: Crash?
1: It is not crashed. You want your hint number one? Yeah, not bad. I mean, I figured that was my shot in the dark guess. It's not. It's not a.
2: It's um.
1: It is not a best picture Oscar that the film has.
2: Oh, got you. Okay. um is that the first hint?
1: No, the first hint. That was kind of a, a bonus extra hint. First hint is. Daryl Hannah won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress for this film.
0: If this is the film I'm thinking about, I don't even remember Daryl Hannah being in it.
2: I know, I'm like, God, Daryl Hannah. Okay, she was, um, Best Supporting Actress, Daryl Hannah.
1: Worst Supporting Actress.
2: Worst, worst. Striptease? There's
1: there's one more hint.
2: Okay, I'll take the other hint.
1: The Oscar was for best actor for Michael Douglas.
0: Wall Street. Wall Street is correct. I do not remember Daryl Hannah being in Wall Street. I
2: mean, yeah, I was like, that's news to me.
1: That's news. It's been
2: a long time since I've (laughs) seen Wall Street, to be fair. But yeah. Sorry, Daryl. I know you're out there listening. My apologies.
1: I know we're running along, but this game's too fun. Question number six. Only two actors have ever been nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie, or a Razzkar, as I'm calling it, for the same performance in the same movie. One was James Coco in a movie called Only When I Laugh. The other was Amy Irving for what movie? Yentel? Yentl? Yentl is correct.
2: Why are we bagging on Yentl?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I'm not bagging on Yentl.
2: Mandy Patinkin's in it. Come on. (laughs) That's interesting. I would have never... I never knew that she was nominated for a Razzie for Yentl.
1: Uh, Okay, final question. Question number seven is not Academy Awards related at all. Just Razzie only. Which of the following movies is not... Nominated for the Razzie for Worst Picture of the 2019 calendar year. Is it Cats, The Fanatic, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, Medea's Haunted Hayride, or Rambo Last Blood?
2: I'm going to go with the one that seems to not even ring. I'm going to say The Fanatic.
1: The Fanatic was a movie that came out this year starring John Travolta, starring Fred Durst.
2: Oh, then it, sorry, oh, it's sorry, certainly Razzie
1: material that-
2: Directed yeah. by- Yeah, okay. Yeah, that seems like Razzie material.
1: The Fanatic is in fact nominated for worst picture.
2: Is it the Sharon Tate one?
1: Sharon Tate is nominated for best pick for worst picture.
0: Rambo. Oh.
1: Rambo is nominated for worst picture. Cats
2: has to be, so whatever the other one is.
1: Matias haunted hayride was completely made up by me.
2: I, y'all are so... Whoa. I thought it was a that... funeral one. <laughs> but you're oh man. Well, well played Joe.
1: Nice work. Got him. Jessica Wellman. Thanks for playing our game. Thanks for your uh, thanks for your well thought out and articulate movie chat. We appreciate you. Uh, we miss you in the poker world, but we're happy to see. You're still crushing things out in the, out in those betting streets.
2: Well, thank you so much. I had so much fun, and you I, you you know, much, I didn't Jess. know a quiz was coming. So yay! Hey,
0: bonus track. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. Poker in the ears.
0: Joe, breaking news. I thought this was going to be the end of the show, uh-huh. but George in Romania, he's free. Wait, he's back? One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's
1: Superfan versus stakes.
0: So yes, a surprise twist in the tail like in any good motion picture. <sighs> we didn't think we were going to get him, but Joe, we've got him. George Drzewski, welcome to Poker in the Ears.
1: Georgie. Hey, guys. I Glad made you could it. you make it. What what happened? Well, are you okay? Yes, yes, I'm great. I
2: just had to choose between some work-related event and or this, and obviously I chose
0: this.
1: Oh, wow. Please don't tell me you're a surgeon.
2: No, 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 nothing like
0: that. Okay. <laughs> well, we've run a little bit long this week, so I'm going to get straight to it with this week's Hunger Games quiz. Before we get to the questions though, we do have to know just a little bit about you. So in one simple line, tell us everything we need to know about George. Okay, so I'm from Macedonia. I'm living in Romania for a few years. I'm 27 years old and married guy. That's about it. Okay, so we are going to see if this is the year of Romania as we play this Hunger Games-themed edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. And I know that you said, George, you didn't get the chance to rewatch the movie. I'm pretty sure your knowledge is going to be better than Joe's. Uh, So don't fear too much. I should also point out that it's very much luck of the draw. Some of these questions are easier than others. And I'm sure you know the drill by now. You are our superfan. You are our guest, so you get to go first. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. Um, let's go with three. Number three. You picked one of the easiest questions on the slate. Which district are Katniss and Peter from? Oh, I think that would be district five. Would you like the multiple choice options? (laughs) (laughs) Joe, I think you have a chance to winning this time. Yes, please. Are they from district nine? District 11? district 12 or district 15 district 9 it was district 12 and joe
1: to be fair i would i would have checked i would have chosen district 9 also
0: which is obviously a reference to a different movie joe <laughs> any question other than 3
1: uh let's hey let's always come 7 i never do this
0: okay how does clove die
1: I'll take the choices, please.
0: She is shot in the throat by an arrow. Her head is bashed into a wall. Her throat is cut. She chokes on her own vomit.
1: I was going to say, without the choices, she gets shot by an arrow, so I'm going to go with that one.
0: And you are (sighs) wrong. Her head was bashed into a wall. Damn it. George, let's see if we can get you on the board.
1: Somebody gets killed by an arrow. I know that much.
0: 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, or ten. Five. Question number five. What is the name of Katniss's sister?
1: Oh, that would be...
0: Prim? Prim, indeed, for two points. And there is a bonus question. What's the name of Prim's pet cat? Butter, buttercup. Buttercup for a bonus point, and you have a three-nothing nice lead. Joe, where do you want to go next?
1: Give me the highest number available, please. Number ten. Yeah.
0: What is President Snow's first name?
1: I'll take the choices, please.
0: Is it Troilus, Coriolanus, Titus, or Keith?
1: <laughs> oh man! Can I have? All but the last one <laughs> repeated please.
0: Troilus, Coriolanus, or Titus? Titus. It was Coriolanus. Please don't put up an egg, Joe, please. I'm trying. Uh, okay, George, which question would you like next? Uh question number one. Okay, this is an interesting one. Which actor connects this film and last week's superfan subject? Ooh, can I get some? You options? can have the options. Yes. Is it Woody Harrelson, Matt Damon, Wes Bentley, or Jessica Chastain? I think Matt Damon was mentioned last week. <sighs> Matt Damon was mentioned last week, but he does not connect these two films. It's Wes Bentley who appears ah, in both. Eh? Interstellar and the Hunger Games, and the bonus question, which you could still get, George. What is the name of the character Wes Bentley plays in the Hunger Games? Seneca Crane? He does for a bonus single point. Joe, two, four, six, eight, or nine?
1: Two, please.
0: Who kills Rue? Choices: Kato, Marvel, Clove. Or glimmer. Glimmer. No, it was Marvel. (laughs) Okay, George. Four, six, eight, or nine. Nine. Question nine. Who plays Katniss's costume designer? Um. Name. Stanley Tucci or? It is not Stanley Tucci, and as the multiple-choice options have not gone, Joe, you can steal. Alright, let's hear them. Is it Lenny Kravitz, Elizabeth Banks, Toby Jones, or Stanley Tucci? Spoiler alert, it's not Stanley Tucci.
1: I I don't think it's Elizabeth Banks, right? She's got like a bigger part than just costume designer. What was the first choice?
0: Lenny Kravitz.
1: Lenny Kravitz.
0: He's got a point, ladies and gentlemen. He's on the ah. board. And it's your question, Joe. Four, six, or eight? Uh, six. Who nearly kills Katniss during the bloodbath? Okay, go ahead. Is it Clove, Thresh, Kato, or Glimmer? Clove. It is Clove for a point, and there is a bonus question. How does Katniss survive the attack?
1: Uh, she hide in a tree? No, and you
0: can steal, George. Options? There are no options, it's a bonus <laughs> question. <laughs> I don't remember that. She blocks Clove's knife with a backpack. We're into the final round. You can have question four or you can have question eight. Question four. What does Katniss do to get the game makers' attention during their private meeting? She's um, using her weapon and she's hitting an apple in a pig's mouth. Well, you've got the bonus question as well, because the answer was shoots a pig on the banquet table, and the bonus question is what type of fruit is skewered by her arrow, and you've already said apple. That's three points to George. And Joe, you get question number eight, the final question. What is a tracker jacker?
1: I'll take the choices.
0: Is it a plant-based energy bar, a surveillance drone, a cyborg hunting dog, Or a genetically engineered wasp?
1: A surveillance drone.
0: No, it was the genetically engineered wasp. Always go for the ridiculous one. And the (laughs) final score is seven points to Superfan George, who was worried at the start but didn't need to be. Two points to Joe Stapleton. George, I don't know if you are eligible to receive EPT Sochi satellite tickets in Romania. We'll look into it. If you are, hooray. If not... Double merch is coming your way and you'll be able to pick two Poker in the Ears t-shirts. Thank you very much for coming on the show and thank you for picking us over whatever work emergency (laughs) nearly deprived you of this opportunity. Thanks, George. uh, It was a pleasure.
1: All right, my babies. We're almost out of time for this week's show. Did you buy your t-shirt yet? If not, get on it. Please, please have them uh, have a good report for us. I, I'm worried by by the fact that they did not tell James what the orders.
0: by the Star
1: Store. Unless it was so many that they're embarrassed and they don't want to make our heads big, which I don't think it was. Get your T-shirt. Guys, coming up next week, I got a wild week coming up. I'm flying to New York tonight to teach poker to someone associated with that new poker movie. And I'm a little annoyed because I saw him on TV Sunday night at the Oscars and that shit is a 10 minute walk from my house. But I'm flying to New York to go to his house to teach him that is happening tomorrow. Uh, So coming up next week, I rage at having to fly cross country for a night and a half. Uh, Also, I am getting my visa sorted for EPT Sochi so that.
0: okay. so you were able to do that on the same trip. You don't have to do two separate trips in New York. That would be hilarious if they booked your appointment for like next Wednesday and you had to do it two weeks in a row.
1: That would be very me. But luckily we are combining those two things. I'm going to squeeze in a comedy show Friday night in New York as well. Uh, we're also next week going to do a deep dive into the recent poker news stories, which include the Global Poker Award nominations. Uh, the superfan subject is a movie called Pool Hall Junkies. This is like one of those 90s Indie indie movies, I've right? I've never seen
0: it, so I'm going to see it for the first time. I'm guessing you'll be seeing it for the first time. Should yeah. you find the opportunity?
1: Yeah, no, I'm going to watch it. I'll watch this movie since I haven't seen it before. I feel like I can kind of get away with not rewatching if I've seen no, it. But you, you uh, don't uh, you I'm- don't get away with it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to watch Pool Hole Junkies. Uh, until then, comment, like, and subscribe, and don't forget to apply for Superfan versus Stapes.
0: Oh, yes, you said you had some thoughts on this.
1: Yes. So, basically, I get praise sent about the show to myself, as I'm sure you do often, James. Hey, just downloaded the show. um, Listen to every episode. Really great. Just took a road trip. Listen to nine episodes. Love the show. From now on, if you want to be a super fan, here's how we're going to do it. Instead of writing me that glowing praise, which I appreciate, instead of writing James that glowing praise, write it wherever you download your podcast. All right. If you download it from iTunes, Stitcher, write the review there, take a screenshot of it, send us that on Twitter using the hashtag poker in the ears. That's how you apply to be super fan and make sure in that tweet to still include what specialist subjects, but people are always like, love the show. Can I be a super fan? That's all you have to do now. Write us a review, take a screenshot Send it to us on Twitter, hashtag poker in the ears. Let us know your superfan subject. If you are a superfan, this should not be a big ask.
0: Well, here's the thing, Joe. Ken B. Miller has provided the perfect example. If you search hashtag poker in the ears, you'll see his application. Uh, He's come up with a variety of topics and I'm sure we can do one of the movies on his list, but he has provided a screenshot of the review that he's done on the Apple Podcasts app. He describes our show as hilarious and entertaining and he's left a five-star review. We have the evidence that he's done that. We have his proposed subjects. So, Ken, you are on the list. We will get to you in due course.
1: Perfect. Thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. Also, I just want to remind people, you know, it doesn't have to be a movie. Movies are fun and easy to do. But if I kind of miss doing a quiz on fly fishing and or trains, uh, so it doesn't always have to be a movie, but that is it. That is all the time we have got for this week's show until next time for James Hardigan. I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.